Hello, guys. Welcome to the Website Intelligence Podcast. Uh, we have today Andrew Chen, which is one of the co-founders of uh, Much Talked About Explo.co. It's an up-and-coming startup uh, based in the U.S., uh, more specifically in New York, but all over. They, they're uh, employing people all over the U.S. Uh, I'm here together with my co-host, Matt, and let's, let's jump in uh, with the first question in our first segment. It's Andrew. Uh, where did where did you grow up, and uh, what would you say it was unique about your younger years, the formative years of uh, of yours? Yeah. First off, uh, thanks for having me so much, uh, Dragos and Matt. It's exciting to be here. Um, in, in terms of where I grew up, so a little background: I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, for those of you outside the U.S., that's basically in the middle of the United States. Uh, Omaha was sort of an up-and-coming city, I would say, at the time. So I would say I lived a pretty, pretty normal life. Uh, lived in the suburbs of, of Omaha, Nebraska. We're really known for a few things. Um, Nebraska beef, Warren Buffett. Warren exactly. Buffett. And, uh, yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> for the baseball fans out there at the College World Series. So, um, you know, really excited to, to talk about Nebraska a little bit. I mean, again, it was a pretty standard yeah. life. You know, went to uh public school out there uh and I, I think that what was exciting or was unique was that it was really an up-and-coming sort of city i think it was expanding very quickly and it was still small enough that i was able to really know uh, a lot about the city and really be involved um my my dad actually had worked in government for a little bit when i was a kid so i had a lot of exposure to actually working with the senators and, and governors and meeting those people when I was very young. So um, it was sort of up and cunning, but also small enough that I had a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had in a big city. Would you describe anything from your uh, earlier years which might directed you towards being an entrepreneur today? Yeah, I think... You know, the biggest influence was that uh, my father was an entrepreneur himself. So he started his own business when I was a kid. Um, I remember he would work his nine to five job and come home and then start working on his own company. And, you know, that was obviously very inspirational to myself um, growing up. Uh, but really just having the opportunities to try a lot of things and do a lot of things. You know, I didn't always plan to be a startup founder um, when I was growing up. I had a lot of other aspirations and other sort of jobs I wanted to do, but I always knew at some point in my life, I wanted to start my own business. I'm, I'm intrigued about this, um, this like connection between parents who are entrepreneurs, because this is like the third person that we've spoken to, Dragosh as well himself, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, whereby the family are entrepreneurial and therefore that spirit really goes like through to the children. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Was there direct memories that you can recall where you're kind of observing what your dad's doing in terms of this entrepreneurial side, or is it just more like a very gradual, organic, you know, kind of crossover? I would say it's pretty gradual, but there were specific incidents. Even when I was, you know, five or six, I remember, um, you know, my dad started his company when I was was very young, um, and in the very beginning, it was really him. Uh, my mom was helping, and I, I think you know, maybe a few employees at most. So, you know, he actually does uh, engineering. And, you know, back before we had email even, you know, 
I remember going to the post office with these huge boxes and they were actually rolled up paper with drawings uh, for, for engineering and architecture firms. And we would go to the post office. My mom and I would go and, and drop these off for my dad. So even, you know, when we started very young, I remember sort of being involved in the business and uh, the sort of other benefit was that I was able to go to things like business meetings uh, and meet some of my dad's business partners as a kid. So I was always exposed to it um, as I was growing up. So I think that definitely had a huge influence on myself. Yeah, and definitely. I think when, when I'm thinking back to even my parents, I know in my early years, I think I was like 10 or 12, my mother had this uh, real estate agency. It was actually her first business after leaving the public sector in Romania. And it was really crazy because she, after, after finishing work at 5 p.m., we all the time helped her putting the documents in order, or she actually sent me to pay some bills and all, all this, all this stuff. Maybe you can relate also, Matt, to this kind of situation also, where you were involved maybe as a uh, teenager in also business. Yeah. It's for me. Yeah. No, I have a very different experience. My dad was very much nine to five all his life, you know, from 17. He, um, he was working for an insurance company. Uh, he worked for the same insurance company his entire career. Um, short commute, about, I guess, 40 minutes every day, back and forth. Really into sport. <laughs> so, you know, come home, watch some sport, play sport at weekends. So my main influences were being around, um, I guess, seeing that kind of day-to-day, nine-to-five life, and then the kind of sport relaxation side of things. I didn't have any kind of entrepreneurial influence around me at all. That's why it's so interesting for me to hear how common it is for that kind of thread to go through generations. Yeah, and just to add on on what actually Matt said, maybe I was I'm going to ask Andrew now what was actually his first job, or if he had a, like a first job, or or he worked maybe for for his parents, or how how did you go about it? Yeah, I think I had a few jobs in high school. Um, the first high school job actually. You know, I guess taking a step back, I did sort of get an allowance for doing uh, very small tasks for, for my dad when I was a kid. But I would say my first, yeah, just, yeah, off the record, <laughs> I'll call them an allowance uh, and not a paycheck. But um, when, I, when I was in high school, I did a few research jobs at the local university, um, just honestly random sort of areas I was uh, interested in. One of the summers I, I did biofuel research. Um, you know, that was, that was interesting. Literally, uh, I was cutting grass, um, at the local university to basically, you know, collect a bunch of grass and, and compost it. Uh, so that was interesting for, I think that was my, probably my first job. And then, uh, did some research in the, uh, radio space as well. And then when I was in college, I did a few internships and they were all in finance. So I would say my first official, uh, job was an internship probably after my freshman year of college i uh, worked at a local wealth management firm at the time i wanted to go into finance i thought that was the sort of professional path for me so so worked a few internships there ultimately of course decided not to go down that path but i would say officially that was probably my first job was my freshman uh somewhere after college mm, i see did you get maybe any uh, knowledge or you draw any experience from the finance background into what are you actually doing now? I, because I believe having like an accounting or slash uh, finance 
background, I think, must be really tremendous uh, experience. To yeah, have. I think it definitely helped. I think all my experiences honestly did help in some uh, way, shape, or form um, to sort of, you know, even in my day to day, you know, work today. I think just having the very basic knowledge of, uh, you know, even the financial statements and things like that is, is very helpful today. And, you know, specifically in, in finance, I was, I was lucky in that I worked in a few different sort of firms and it was all very open-ended. I was able to focus on a little, lot of different industries. So I remember that first uh, internship, I spent some of that time researching like retail companies, which I knew nothing about, honestly. And so just exposure to new sorts of companies and industries uh, was, was exciting. Um, later in my internships, I was able to focus on honestly, various different industries and companies as well. So just honestly, ex exposure to a lot of different um, companies and being able to pick things up quickly and, and learn new things was was probably the biggest benefit of, of those internships. And that's quite like a varied beginning, right? So you have the entrepreneurial side from your from your father and your parents, you have this kind of bio research element, and then finance. What were like two or three kind of, I guess, like epiphany moments or key things that happened in those early years that then ended up driving you towards the direction you ended up going in? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I mean, at the very highest level, I realized I did not want to work in finance. So that led me to, you know, exploring other opportunities. So I definitely think I realized that I, I realized that a little bit late, honestly, that was you know, towards my end of university, when I realized I did not actually want to work in finance, uh, I did want to do something a little more technical and, and hence, you know, what led me into to tech. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I guess two things. One, realized didn't want to work in finance. Two was, it, it sort of, again, pushed me towards uh, wanting to build my own company. Um, you know, I just, I wanted to do something that excited me. Um, you know, every single day. And I think I was able to, again, be able to explore different companies and industries and things like that. So I was always sort of doing something new, which I thought was exciting. I don't think I could ever, you know, work at a company where I'm, I'm doing the same thing every single day, you know, and, and there might be a solid path forward. Um, but I, I, I feel like I need something to, you know, sort of stimulate my mind and, and you know, allow me to, to push myself and learn new things. So um, definitely, you know, working those internships, I, I really did know that, hey, you know, I need to start my own company one day, I need to do something new, I need to do something exciting for myself. And, and I think that's ultimately where, uh, where I landed. Super stuff. So before actually diving into the next question, I would just give a quick context or a quick background to to our viewers, actually, how me and Andrew got uh, and talked talked more on, on the business side of things. We actually engaged in a partnership together with uh, his current company, he, which he will uh, dive deep, deeper into that as well. So uh, because he's, he's uh, founded Expo.co and as you, might, uh, as you might know, guys, me and Matt, we are pushing this company around uh, Visitor Analytics. So we started and engaged with, in, into this partnership to, with, uh, with Andrew. So what is actually your current role at the moment? Yeah, so I'm one of the three co-founders here at Explo, and currently I'm COO and I manage uh, all operations, uh, sales and marketing um, at the company. Um, so 
we're still a pretty small size. We have around 20 employees. So still, you know, wearing a lot of hats and, and doing a lot, but mostly focused on the sales and marketing side right now. Because I'm asking just quick to, to add on, on that note as well. I know you had guys a pretty interesting seed funding and series A funding, which I read about in TechCrunch. Could you give us some more details on those two things? Yeah. So let's see, taking a step back. So I started the company in late 2019. Um, initial round of funding, we actually got into YC. So we did the YC program out mm -hmm. in San Francisco and immediately raised our seed round after that. So I think that was around April or May of 2020. Um, yeah, that was right, right when uh, COVID hit actually, but was, uh, you know, yeah, I think yeah. we were pretty fortunate then. And, you know, the, the fundraising market was still pretty hot, uh, even back in 2020. Um, and then really went heads down and started building products in the analytics space uh, for almost two years. So did a few pivots, um, ultimately landed on our current product in late 2020, saw some traction over the 2021 year. And then we raised our Series A uh, from Craft Ventures, uh, let's say about... March or April of this year. Was a pretty important uh, sum there. How much are we talking about in the Series A? Because your evaluation must be actually through the roof. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think we're very happy with, with the round. I think we're really fortunate to have the partners we had. Uh, we raised a total of about 12 and a half million uh, in the Series A. Yeah. Just um, sorry, just taking things back slightly, like from that m moment where you decided, right, okay, I want to set up my own company at some point, I wanted to be in the tech space, like what were the kind of like, um, key steps that took you from there to going to the uh, YC, you know, process? Um, and kind of how long was that period, you know, kind of from initially going, right, this is what I want to do to getting that first investment round? Yeah, so it was actually very quick. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, right after university, I actually took a job at McKinsey as a consultant. Uh, I worked specifically in the analytics practice. So I was still doing something more technical, really focused on the data and analytics space. Um, but I was, was working as a consultant. And, you know, I, I think part of my journey into starting Expo was, was honestly luck and, and just good timing. About two years into my job, I was looking for other opportunities. Um, I, I knew that, again, I wanted to, to start my own company someday, but I didn't know it was going to be then. Um, the stroke of luck came when I actually realized that a few basically friends of mine um, were also looking for new opportunities. Uh, we had all been around you know, two years out of college and had our first jobs and wanted to do something new. So I actually got together with one of my best friends, Gary, uh, who's my co-founder and CEO. Uh, and, and we started working on projects on the side. And this really, again, took very little bit of time because, um, you know, we started working on projects on the side. He brought in our third co-founder, Rohan. And then, you know, maybe a month or two later, uh, we decided let's apply to YC. We had a completely random idea, not related to Explo at all that we wanted to pursue. And I think, you know, it was, it was again, timing and good luck. And we got into YC without any sort of company yet, without a real product or any sort of traction, uh, but just as a sort of, uh, as a team. So that whole process was only about a month since I started looking for a new job. And then 
Uh, right as soon as we got into YC, I decided to sort of take the leap of faith and I think basically left my job uh, right afterwards. So it was a very fast turnaround. But again, I, I knew it was something I wanted to do. I really did not know that it was going to happen uh, that early in my career, though. Just to quickly interject there for people who, or I mean for, for our viewers. So essentially, Expo.co is focusing on uh, dashboard building in terms of business intelligence. Maybe you, Andrew, could uh, actually give a brief description of what actually Expo.co is or what your company stands for and who are actually your clients. Yeah, yeah. so a quick intro on Explo is that we are an embedded analytics solution. Uh, so we focus specifically on external facing analytics. Uh, what that means is if you want to share any sort of data or analytics with your customers or partners or anyone external, uh, you can use our platform. So our main platform is an embedded uh, dashboard uh, solution. Um, to give you a few examples of the sort of customers that we serve, most of our clients are B2B SaaS companies. Um, so you can imagine logging into any sort of B2B SaaS application. Typically, the first thing you see is some sort of dashboard or analytics or charts and graphs. Um, so we can help those companies build out um, those dashboards so that they don't have to build it in-house. Um, you know, main value prop here is we, we really save uh, the development team weeks, if not months of time uh, compared to building out dashboards themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Apologies for my phone. It's a, it's a schoolboy error for the podcast. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. a quick question with regards to your current role because you're the COO currently, right? Yeah. And I've worked at quite a few kind of tech startups with um, COOs, obviously, in, in the kind of uh, founder group. And I always think they have such a, a varied and challenging role because there are so many different components to it. Like, what kind of would you say are the kind of key pillars? of your day-to-day -day focus that you're working on, you know, currently? Yeah, so definitely my role has changed a lot over time. You know, in, in the very beginning, everyone was just working on everything. And um, given my experience in, in data analytics and using a lot of the tools out there, you know, maybe half my time was spent on product. The other half was spent on, on sort of go-to-market. Um, but today, I would say most of my effort focuses on sales. Uh, we have pretty... Uh, you know, sizable team now in terms of we have a sales team, you know, product team, designers, uh, sales engineers. So, you know, our, our team itself has grown to this state where not everyone needs to be absolutely doing everything. So I've shifted a lot my, more of my focus on the sales and marketing world, uh, particularly sort of growing and managing the sales team. Perfect. With regards to marketing, like obviously because we come from this, um, website focused company mm -hmm. um, and it's the website intelligence podcast this section is kind of talking specifically about your website what role within that sales marketing mix does your website currently play and how important would you say it is is to your company and your company growth yeah i mean the, our, our website is super important um you know in terms of a marketing resource you know of course we do have to have a a good looking and and sort of uh, easy to navigate websites so that, you know, all of our leads are, are signing up for demos or, uh, you know, booking trials through our website. So we actually revamped our entire landing page about a month ago um, in an effort to sort of make sure that it's in the best state possible. So, you know, all, all our visitors are, of course, looking at our website first. And, you know, outside of that, 
it's it's the main resource where people are guided towards uh, from search, from paid promotions, uh, even from sales collateral. You know, we're not sending out uh, you know like white papers or uh, one pagers as much anymore. We're really just guiding people to different product pages on our website and different informational uh, sort of pages. So it really is in a lot of sort of times the first point of uh, contact uh, with a lot of our customers. So uh, definitely super important that you know, our website is up to date and it's um, you know sort of in the best day possible. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's actually the first point, uh, at so or at the the first jumping point for anyone to actually get to know your company. It's actually interacting first with your website, so you want to uh, have it as smooth as possible, or as as it comprehensive as possible, especially in this era where everyone is bombarded with information. So you have to have also the essential stuff. So this kind of philosophy of don't don't make me think. Yep. Uh, you said you, re you you said you revamped your website uh, recently. Did you do also rebranding of the identity of your company? And as a second question, if you had any benchmarks in terms of websites you related to in order to for you to have like a better understanding in terms of how to actually structure a website? Yeah. So in in terms of the revamp, we did not do a full rebrand. Um, so the sort of main branding elements have not changed. We did add some. Um, so we've started to launch additional products uh, that are basically adjacent and work with our embedded dashboard solution. So we have some sort of new branding for those new products. Uh, you'll see products like Architect and, and Host on our website now that are new, but we did not actually do a full rebrand. So it really was just the sort of landing page uh, piece of it. And, and we worked with an agency um, to help us get there. And, um, yeah, well, actually, sorry. What was the second question? Yeah. The second question was if you actually referred to any other websites, which you considered maybe as benchmarks or which served you as inspiration in order for you to better structure the information. Yeah, absolutely. Things. Absolutely. We, we, we definitely looked at a few websites and for the most part, we were comparing ourselves to actually more of the sort of dev uh, friendly website. So we decided to push our landing page to be a little more, uh, sort of bottoms up focused. Um, so, you know, what we were thinking is we could either take the more enterprise look and feel path, uh, you know, some of those existing enterprise solutions, uh, will have a very different look and feel than, uh, the sort of bottoms up SaaS uh, platforms that we compare ourselves to. So we definitely we're leaning towards the more bottom-up SaaS model. Um, so, so definitely looked at a few other websites as inspiration for creating our own. Um, in terms of tech, like, so obviously your, um, like you said, your, your interest was in tech from the beginning. Obviously you're very tech savvy. You know a lot about um, different solutions and things. In terms of your role within the sales and marketing areas, like what kind of tech are you kind of leveraging the most when it comes to both your website, but also you know, all other elements of, of the marketing and sales um, process as well. Yeah, in, in terms of tech, so, you know, the, the sole leader of sales and, and marketing stack is actually very new to me because although I'm leading this role now, I, I don't come from a sales background uh, or a marketing background for that for that sake. So a lot of this is new to me, but honestly, learning a lot from my, my own sales team 
in, in terms of getting that sort of, we'll say like sales ops uh, tech stack stood up. Um, but we're leveraging a lot of tools and a lot of different startups as well, you know, just to name a few. So we, of course, have our standard CRM and, and outreach uh, that we do in HubSpot uh, in Apollo. And, and we're leveraging a bunch of other sort of sources to, to get leads, anything from TechCrunch uh, to something more enterprise like uh, Zoom Info and, and LinkedIn, of course. And then on the marketing side, uh, we're, we're generating a lot of content and leveraging other startups like ourselves. There's a, there's a startup we're leveraging called Letter Drop. Um, they really make it easy to post and create content um, for your company. So we're leveraging them as well to, to generate all our sort of blogs, social posts, et cetera. So uh, just a few of the sort of different tools we're using on the sales marketing stack. Super stuff. Uh, actually, I would just have a, a quick step back and uh, come back to uh, at the website thing a bit in terms of the marketing strategy of, of yours are you and sales are you following any let's say maybe three kpis in your sales endeavors or in your marketing endeavors uh, at this point which you are actually looking more closely to than any other kpis yeah i mean in terms of you know what we're tracking we have a pretty simple funnel that we're tracking honestly we don't have a seven eight step funnel but that really starts at one uh, views on our landing page. Um, you know, what thing that we've been focusing on over the past couple months or so has, has been organic uh, growth. So as I mentioned, a lot of content. Um, so definitely tracking the sort of inbound traffic from organic search and also um, other channels, including paid search and, and direct traffic, et cetera. So on the very top of funnel, we're, we're definitely tracking the overall uh, website views. The second, of course, is that conversion number. So we have a platform where you can come in, you can request a trial or book a demo. Um, so just making sure that we're tracking those mm -hmm. conversions uh, so, so that anyone on our website is actually getting the information they need and are able to uh, basically big, book time with our team. Um, and, and those generate the opportunities that our sales team is working, right? So uh, basically those two steps. And then we have um, honestly pretty standard sales uh, SaaS sales process with the sort of discovery call demos, et cetera. Uh, we'll set up trials and then of course, uh, you know, hopefully close some deals. So we're really tracking the, the main funnel there. Um, but as of recently, you know, as I mentioned, a big push has been on the organic side. Um, so really making sure that we're tracking our, our organic, uh, sort of, uh, search as well. As the founder of a, like a you know B two B SaaS company within this kind of Martech space, like predominantly, is that am I right in saying that it's predominantly within the Martech space? Um, how do you like perceive the current environment in terms of the direction it's heading? In terms of the current economic situations? In terms of the incredible growth of different solutions that are available over the last eight to ten years? How do you kind of perceive the current environment and where do you think it's heading, you know, in the next, I don't know, 18 months, two years, this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, just to touch on the sort of economic and state of the market right now, I think that obviously that there's been some, some ups and downs recently and, and you know, a lot of uh, challenges, um, honestly, across the world. But I think we're, we're honestly very lucky in the space that we're in. 
you know, within data analytics, it's an ever growing market. And especially over the past couple of years, even since when I started Explo and even looking back in 2020, the, the market and the environment and even the companies in the space have changed a lot and grown a lot. So, you know, I think I'm very lucky. We're, we're very lucky in that the space that we're in is constantly growing still, regardless of the economic situation. And honestly, companies are still spending on, on data analytics. Um, so I, I think that's the good news. I think the, the flip side of that is, of course, with a growing market like this, it is becoming, you know, more and more crowded and more and more data analytics companies are speeding up every single day. You know, we, we see competitors spin up every day. There's a new startup, you know, trying to do what we're doing, you know, every other week, almost, it feels like. So, um, but I, I think that's a good sign. You know, people are realizing that this is a, a need in the space and people are, are building companies to, to solve this issue. So on the one hand, it is competition. On the other hand, it is market confirmation that this is something that's needed. Um, yeah, in, in terms of, you know, where I see the, the data analytics space going, um, yeah, the, at the end of the day, you know, I think it's it's growing very, very quickly and there's a lot of exciting companies out there. Um, I think for us, the, the focus is, really building this tool on top of the modern data stack. Um, so of course, everyone's familiar with Snowflake and, and sort of growing in that sort of environment with the new data warehousing technologies and basically everything that sits around it from, you know, ETL, tools like Fivetran to tools like DBT, uh, you know, Snowflake, uh, BigQuery, et cetera, and just working really well with that stack and sort of growing with it. Um, and, you know, as this sort of grows and as people sort of, uh, continue to have more and more mature sort of data, you know, the, the need to share is going to keep, keep on growing. So, you know, where we see ourselves is focusing on our sort of embedded solutions, um, but medium slash longer term, you know, any sort of data sharing that you're doing, you know, anytime you want to actually give your users or your customers analytics or data, uh, we ultimately want that to happen through Explo. Super stuff. And if we are to migrate to technology, but now used in, let's say, more personal sphere, more individual level, is there any kind of piece of technologies you're using on a daily basis or, on, or more frequently in order to grow yourself, in order to help you get stuff done or make you more, let's say, more performance-based? In terms of like something more consumer or just like, what I use individually? Yeah, what you use individually, exactly. Let's see, let's see. To be honest, I, I don't have any specific hacks or any you know, secret tools that I'm using. Um, but I, I can speak for, for myself and my company. You know, we are uh, huge fans of Notion. So everything, almost everything we do happens in Notion. So whether it's... Uh, you know, creating notes for myself and sharing out sort of documents with my team, um, creating uh, areas to work together on, you, you know, we are a sort of hybrid workspace. So everything is done through uh, just online uh, sort of tools like Notion or Miro board we've been using a lot recently. So some of those tools have been really super helpful. Uh, and of course, you know, every single day I basically live on Slack as well. So I, I think those are pretty standard. So I don't think there's any sort of secrets there, um, but, you know, before, I guess, before working on the startup, I had worked in 
you know, much more of the sort of enterprise uh, legacy world where we had IBM chat uh, and Lotus Notes still. So yeah. it's good to sort of shift towards the, the more modern tools. Um, it's, it's definitely still again, revolutionary. Yeah, I I had... It's definitely still Don't revolutionary to, to some people, right? You know, there, there are still a lot of people working in these, you know, these older legacy formats. So yeah, there's, there's still people yeah, who yeah. discover these things. Yeah, I'm always surprised still. I mean, it's, it's, I sort of feel like in this sort of startup SaaS world, everyone's used to working on a certain tech stack in the sort of Google Slack world, but kind of forget that most of the world doesn't. So um, it's about. Yeah, that's, that's another thing I wanted to, to add because now is this great debate about, okay, we should go ahead and continue with this remote working kind of revolution, which was triggered by the pandemic or we see other companies such as Apple or even Facebook, which now actually they, they are going ahead and laying off like 12,000 people. Was it? It's, it's a crazy, it's crazy news actually. Uh, how, what are your thoughts in this direction in terms of uh, remote kind of work? Because you need to align all the time with your colleagues and with your peers because you're pushing all these projects to, together and need to get everyone on the same page. You're using some kind of uh, tech stack maybe to get more aligned or to create a more industrialized process. Yeah, absolutely. So we we grew out of the pandemic, basically. Um, you know, we started the company in late 2019, but our first hire we made uh, in, in 2020 and she was remote. She's actually based in Canada, uh, my product designer, Carly. Mm. And when we hired her, we had never met her in person and... We worked together through Zoom and Slack, and, and that was really it. Um, and so in that case, we were really remote from the very beginning. Um, so I think that's helped a lot in terms of just making sure that we have the right sort of practices down and we're able to work and communicate effectively remote. That being said, over the past uh, year or so, we have been pushing towards more of a hybrid model. Um, so we do have an office here in New York. We have an office in San Francisco as well. So for everyone in those cities, we do encourage them to come to the office and we work together in person. I think there's, of course, still benefits to doing that. But um, we do have full-time remote employees as well. So we, we really try our best to make it work. You know, part of it is the sort of tech stack. Of course, that is super important. So again, using tools like Notion and Miro and, and Linear to track everything and, and, and collaborate is super important. Um, but there is sort of an in-person element that we push as well. And we meet up with the with the team at least once a quarter. Um, last week, actually, most of my team was in New York here with me. So um, just good to have some FaceTime as well and, and sort of collaborate and push on certain tasks in person as well. So we, we really try to balance both um, and try to be flexible with our employees as well. At the end of the day, I think we, we do a pretty good job of working remote. And I think, you know, part of it is, just setting expectation and making sure that everyone understands their roles and, and deadlines and, and, you know, communicates very freely. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is everyone can slack anyone. Uh, anyone can, can chat with anyone at any time. Uh, you know, I never feel like that's something that bothers anyone on the team. And I think with that open communication um, comes a lot of different benefits in terms of working remote because you really don't have the chance to just, you know, chat with people and, and, you know, grab lunch with them all the time. So, um, yeah, just keeping that open environment, using the right tech stack and, and sort of, uh, you know, pushing our employees to 
be communicative has, has really been helpful. And even with partnerships, right? Because this is how we've been communicating a lot you know, throughout this whole process of having our own dedicated Slack channel to this partnership. And just, yep. yeah, it's a great place to collaborate. Yeah, and I think it actually, you know, there are benefits to working remote even with our, our own customers as well. So most of our customers, you know, I, I've never met in person. Uh, it's very different from the model I, I previously worked in where we're literally flying to see our clients every single week. Um, but it, it's made it a lot easier in some ways. We're able to connect with clients across the world. And, you know, similar to you all, we have shared Slack channels that we're using with a lot of our clients. And again, it's it's super open and, and we really stress that you know, they can ping us anytime, they can, uh, you know, chat with us anytime and we're super open to helping. Um, and I think that actually opens up a lot of sort of space for collaboration, even in a, you know, completely uh, distributed world. Um, so, you know, a lot of the practices we use with our own employees, you know, we're, we're carrying over to uh, engaging with customers as well. As as you were speaking, I was just thinking that both of us, let's say, are more in the startup level. And I recently read some some article in relation, just to switch switching gears a bit here, uh, in relation to having advisors or a group of advisors formed around around the company, because most of the startups in the mo- uh, in the world at the moment are more or less formed around young people which the article said they possess a more uh, fluid fluid intelligence as opposed to the older the senior senior guys who have crystallized intelligence so it's essentially it's very important to combine those two those two kind of mentalities are you thinking at one point to get uh, an advisor board or go in this direction somehow? We don't have a formal advisor board, but we do have a few uh, advisors who have been super helpful for us in starting the company and, and even till today. Um, I think it's it's super important. And part of it is, you know, we are pretty young as founders. I, I feel like sometimes I am actually pretty old in the tech world now, uh, but I guess it's all relative. Um, Sorry, how young are you at the I'm moment? I'm 27. I'm to phrase it. You're, you're, yeah. you're both definitely no, a lot younger than me. So don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. So, I mean, when we started the company for, you know, that was three years ago. We were, you know, 23, 24. We, we didn't have any of the experience starting a company. And there's a lot of things you just don't know. You know, anything from, of course, the, the tech and product itself, you know, we probably had more experience there. But all the legal things, uh, you know, standing up a company, incorporating, like all those sort of basic things, we had no idea how to do at the very beginning. And, it, and even now, you know, we're, we're diving into a world where we're growing uh, different parts of the business that we don't really have our own experience in. So leveraging our advisors is super crucial. The first sort of main advisors we've got were through the, the Y Combinator program. Um, so even till today, we, we speak with our partners on pretty regular cadence um, who helped us through those initial months of starting a company. Um, and, you know, in areas that, again, we don't know or have as much experience in, like, you know, sales and marketing, we we have a uh, sales advisor who we worked with for a few months, um, who I still chat with very regularly to sort of give us advice and, and sort of 
talk through different areas in growing our sales team and sales process. Um, you know, across the tech uh, sort of uh, in product world, we have a few advisors that we we lean on pretty heavily as well, and, and from a design perspective and etc. So, although we don't have a formal board of advisors, really, um, we really have been leveraging a lot of these sort of advisors in our network that uh, we have either informal or, or semi-formal relationships with um, that have really helped us build the company. Sounds great. As we, we mentioned before about how the, the kind of COO role is so, you know, um, kind of what's the word, diverse and, you know, has multiple aspects to it, um, both in terms of that role, but also in terms of the company as a whole. What is the kind of next like six, 12, 18 months looking like? And what are your kind of key focus areas, both both kind of personally and then as, as a company as well? Yeah, so big focus for us as a, as a company right now has been or has been and will be uh, just growing the team. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we raised our Series A earlier this year. So with that round of funding and with the sort of growth that we've had, we are expanding the team pretty quickly. Um, maybe beginning of this year, we had eight, nine employees, and now we're up to almost 20. So that that is a huge focus for us. But the, the work doesn't even stop at, you know, making those hires, right? It, it, it really begins there. Um, so how do we actually grow the team and make sure that it's, uh, you know, a, a great environment to work and also that everyone's able to work together and productively as well. So, you know, I've really stepped into more of the manager role over the past couple months, and that probably will be my focus over the next six months or so, because, you know, prior to that, we had three co-founders, which is which is a which is actually a lot. And you, you think about it, when we had six or eight employees, half the, the team was was the co-founders, and we literally did everything. Um, you know, I would sit in on all the product meetings, I'd sit in on all the sales calls, I would help all our customers and do customer support, and that was true for all all of my co-founders. So, really, sort of shifting my own focus towards managing um, and making sure that my employees have the resources they need to. Uh, do the job correctly and, and do the job well is, is the biggest focus for me right now, you know, post growing the team. Yeah, definitely, definitely being agile and adaptable. It's one of the key traits of uh, actually being an entrepreneur, but actually before jumping in, maybe, maybe into our final top five question, which is now actually famous because we were receiving many, many questions uh, about, about it. Uh, I was going to ask you, are you doing at the moment because we're also tackling marketing subject, subjects here. Are you doing any uh, more more push kind of marketing strategies, more paid advertising at this moment, or you're planning to use one of some of your Series A funding to maybe tackle this area as well? We we do do some paid digital marketing, um, but as I mentioned, most of our marketing focus is on the sort of content and organic side. Um, we, we do spend on, on Google ads and, and LinkedIn ads a little bit and a few promos here and there, but, uh, that I wouldn't say that's the focus of our marketing strategy, or, uh, I think relatively we're not spending too much on, you know, paid promotions at the moment. I think that, you know, there are sort of opportunities to, to expand in that direction and there's always ways to improve, but I, I wouldn't say it's our sort of main channel, um, 
you know, we, we do have a few different channels in terms of marketing, sales and marketing, but, um, you know, even on the sales side, we've, we've grown out our, our sales team. So we have a few, uh, sales development mm -hmm. reps, uh, who are pushing on the outbound strategy as well. Um, so, so of course we're, we're spending in different areas, but, um, you know, things like Google ads are, are not a huge focus for us. Just to go slightly back to that, um, kind of pivot that you're currently kind of going through personally from being the kind of doer involved in everything to being more focused on recruitment and team management, this kind of thing. Like how have you found that process? And also, um, what kind of little bits of advice would you give to somebody going through that process? Because I know from my own experience, going from kind of doing everything to then having more of an oversight over everything and trying to kind of just, you know, move the parts around a bit. It's quite a big leap, right? And, it, and it's, it's quite a complex process to go through. Yeah, I think process-wise, it's more straightforward. It's, it's more that I'm just used to doing a lot of things and, and sort, of, sort of having my my thoughts and opinions in different areas. And I, I think that's actually been a little bit of a challenge is just really being able to trust uh, my team. And, and, you know, I think we've built a great team. So I, I definitely trust the sort of, uh, you know, all, all of my employees and I know they'll do the best work they can. And I think that um, it's more of just, you know, I sort of peek around different areas a lot. And, you know, for example, I'm still in all the Slack channels, right? So I'm still in all the product channels uh, design channels and everything. So I'm always sort of peeking around, but, um, I, I have learned to sort of just let things go and, and allow certain you know, people who are way better at what they do than myself, uh, to sort of manage different areas of, uh, the business and different sort of tasks that, that are getting, um, done as well. So I think part of it is just a sort of mentality shift in that, you know, you don't have to be aware of every single little thing that goes on. Right. Um, you know, I don't have to manage every single sort of project on the product side or design side, or even creating the landing page. Uh, cause I do have people at my company who are better than myself at uh, doing all those things. Um, right. So I, I think that's, you know, one shift, obviously that's more just like a sort of mentality shift. Um, and, and the other thing is just sort of realizing where time is best spent, you know, instead of hopping in on, on all this sort of sales calls and all of the you know, customer support, account management topics that might be, you know, a little more tedious. Um, you know, how can I focus more of my time in, in training and managing um, the rest of my employees so that they can uh, perform the tasks again better than I can? Um, you know, so it, it's really a lot of shift in time. You know, I'm, I'm not doing as much just like in the weeds sort of work anymore and just, you know, having conversations and thinking about sort of management strategy and, and growing the team instead. So uh, it's been a big change, but it's, it's been good. And I'm, I'm you know, super excited to continue growing the team as well. Perfect stuff. I think we can jump on our already famous section, which uh, I would ask you maybe to name the top five in maybe in whichever order you, you would like to traits of being an entrepreneur or things to consider of anyone who would like to uh, go into the uh, entrepreneurial endeavor? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I have top five. Um, 
But but I'll, I'll I'll give a few sort of uh, you know sort of traits that, that I think are are super important. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing when when I talk about with people who are you know even like friends that are sort of interested in starting their own companies is that I would just say go out and try things earlier than later. Um, you know, the later you get in life, I feel like, you know, you're looking for obviously more stability and, and things like that. You can't take as many risks. And, you know, ever since we started this company, there have been so many ups and downs and it, it's a huge risk. I, I think that, um, you know, I wish I could say that everything's been sort of smooth sailing and we've just been growing and on the up and up, but, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs and you, you really just don't know until you try, I think. Yeah, basically, basically what you say is like break things. And exactly, fast. exactly. I mean, even before starting yeah. a company, you just, you got, you got to realize, um, you'll never know until you do it. So you just got to try. And I think that's even something that I wish I did earlier. Um, you know, again, when I was in university, I think, you know, that's a great time to just try things. And I was really pretty laser focused on the sort of finance world and didn't actually expand into tech or entrepreneurship too much, uh, while I was in school. But, uh, if I think back on, it, I should have you know, started later. And I think that I wouldn't have known any of this until I just took the leap of faith in, in late 2019 and started my own company. And I think that you can always be working on things on the side. You can always be exploring new opportunities and, uh, and just trying things. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, if you have an idea, just, just try to build it, uh, just try to work on it. You know, even if it's just a couple hours on the weekend, I think that again, you never know until you try. So I, I would say that's probably the, the biggest advice, um, you know, I can give. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess two is, uh, I think people just think that the startup world and, and tech moves super quickly so that. Uh, everything sort of a sprint, but I think one of the first things I learned once sort of joining the startup world was that it can be a sprint, you know, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna work on a startup for 30 years until it blows up, but it, it's definitely not an overnight success. And, and there's going to be lots of ups and downs and pivots. And, you know, we pivoted through so many different ideas, uh, when we first started and, you know, we're, we've been working for about three years on, on, on this sort of startup and time really flies, you know, but it's not, it's no overnight success where you, you hear startups who become unicorns overnight, uh, that that's, just, you know, not exactly the way it works most of the time. Um, so just realizing that, you know, even in the startup world, things move super quickly, but it's still, it's still a marathon, uh, and, and not a sprint. Um, so I say, you know, that's the second thing you, you got to realize entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think the, yeah, I think those are the top two, but maybe a, a last one is that one, one thing I, I learned very early is sort of back on the advisor question is that when you're doing something new, when you start in a business, there's absolutely no way that you can know everything. Um, you know, it's, you, you can know a lot, even if you are like a second time entrepreneur, I, I think that, you know, of course that helps a lot, but, um, just being able to leverage, uh, advisors and, and people in your network or even random people is, has been super helpful for us. Um, you know, generally in this community, everyone's very helpful and 
there's so many times I go to a happy hour with with different people from from different companies, and then we become good friends and even mentors to each other. I have a lot of different sort of uh, calls that I, I just take with people I've met, and there's a lot of people going through the same process. You know, there's so many new startups, there's so many startup founders who are going through the same process as you, and even though you know they might not have the experience in building a huge company, like, you know, there are things that they know that you don't and just being able to leverage uh, the community and being able to really ask for help um, has helped us get to where we are. You know, you, there's, there's no sort of pride in knowing everything yourself and, and trying to mm -hmm. figure in everything yourself uh, or even with your own team. Um, so just sort of being able to reach out, ask questions uh, and get help. You know, everyone's very willing to help. Um, so essentially essentially be comfortable being uncomfortable exactly exactly and, and just understanding yeah, yeah. what you know and you don't know yeah. um right mm -hmm. there's, there's so many new things um you know out there and, and so many areas of the business that you can't possibly have experience in um e even you know as you grow things are constantly changing you know i was talking about how our roles are sort of changing how our team is growing to a size that we've never managed before and uh, if you are doing well, you're continuing to grow and there's going to be new, new challenges. So, um, just being able to leverage the people around you and, and your support network is, is super important. Sounds great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think we can wrap up on this. You, you guys have something else to say. We had today, Andrew Chen from explo.co. Uh, I'll just say at the time that actually we are partners, we are did this partnership together with Visitor Analytics between Explo.co and Visitor Analytics. Uh, you have an awesome team, Andrew. Keep going. And for you guys, just keep an eye on the Website Intelligence Podcast. Keep an eye on your analytics. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Uh, and keep in mind that we are also on the other uh, podcast carriers uh, online. Stay safe, guys. Till the next time. Ciao, ciao.